Shout out to that Bay Area collaboration. Pac E40. Is Richie Rich on that too? I believe so. Richie Rich. Okay, okay. Sebo. I haven't Sebo the ball head nut. That's some real deep. I think Sebo was from Sacramento. That's early 90s Bay Area hip hop. Different time, like a real, real different time in hip hop. Something, I mean, we don't really talk a lot about that time in hip hop in the Bay Area. I feel like a lot of it was really, you know, underground. But um, yeah, shout out to that. I really love Richie Rich. If you save, go to church. I know it hurts. He always dropped that in the lines. You know, he um, is featured on Pac's last album, the double album. I don't know why I just blanked out on the name of it. You know, the double album. But the song was... Um, I'd rather be yo, yeah, that is my cut. Um, Richie Rich, baby. I can't remember. Um, there's this couple songs Richie Rich had that I was really into at the time. I wonder what happened to Richie Rich. At any rate, let's get into Drummer Boy because, uh, yeah. So basically, Drummer Boy, he recently was featured on the Big Facts podcast and he explained that Tupac was an educated actor, not necessarily a gangster rapper. He feels Pac played a role to fit in with his death row label. So let's take a listen to his comments. Why you got to create a character? Mm. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like Pac was a real smart, educated. <laughs> like a lot of people could borderline nerd or, you know what I'm saying? If you knew him from like 14, 15, it was not no street. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So once you see, or like everybody looking pop like this street, da 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 da. da ooh, he ain't, he ain't tech, but I feel like all that was a character. You know what I mean? And it was it was aligned with who he was signed to, where he had to be like that. And then I'm out here with the West Coast. These don't really know me like that. You see what I'm saying? So they only know me for what I'm acting like. Let me show these. You know what I'm saying? And you know my music from back home, but you don't know me. You know what I'm saying? You have to call. Hey, what the you know what I mean? Right. So you, it's easy to go to a whole nother side of the world and and you're going to act different. Mm -hmm. That put you in a position too because there ain't no way. Like I, I seen on an interview, they were like, Pac ain't supposed to get in no gang. Like, ain't no way you supposed to got in there. Mm -hmm. right. You know what I'm saying? Like mm -hmm. coming from the, all the movies he was doing and the acting he was doing and, and you know what I'm saying? The I'm arts, talking about the acting to be active. Like yeah, put your yeah. hands on the gang member, whatever right, you right, did. Right, right, yeah, right. Yeah, you ain't supposed to get in there. Right, you can rep that whatever you do. Don't hold on, but hold on. This ain't even the one even that took the chain. That's what crazy. Like this, you don't even know the information. Number one, number two, it ain't even your beef. Thank you. Yeah. So, all of that aside, I'm talking about the chain and the beef part. What happened in Vegas? Drummer boy is from Memphis, Tennessee. He's forty. He was born in '83. So. That means that he was about 13 years old when Tupac passed away, right? I say that because it's important. So while I know a lot of people feel, oh, Pac was playing a character that wasn't really how he was, let's talk about Tupac pre-death row, right? Let's just start off with the fact that his mother was a former Black Panther. We know Pac was almost born in jail because his mom was locked up. That, the Black Panther spirit, was obviously, obviously deeply embedded in Pac, right? Um, 
And I think you'll understand when I say you can't get more gangster than the Black Panthers. You know what I mean? So that's one. He had a revolutionary spirit from the gate, right? Before Pac got with Death Row, are you forgetting he was living in the Bay Area? He was touring with Digital Underground. Before you ever heard of Tupac, really, you might have saw him in the Digital Underground video. In 91, he had a case against the Oakland Police Department for beating him during a jaywalk thing where he was allegedly belligerent and resistant. He says he wasn't, you know, all of those things. So did he get that from from who? He got that from himself, right? Those two off-duty cops that he got in a shootout with in Atlanta? How many other, and not that we're advocating for this, nor asking for this, but what other rapper before, during, or since have you heard about getting a shootout with the cops? You haven't. You have not, right? What was he doing over there in Marin County when that incident happened? Tragic incident. Wilding out. Had nothing to do with death row. Did death row enhance what he had been sitting in jail thinking about? The man, you know, felt he was wrongly incarcerated. He, you know, a short time before that was coming off of five shots, felt he was betrayed by various people around him. And he came out on a mission and Shug, they fed off of each other's energy in a way, you know, because Shug is a little messy, a little instigator. And it just got it going. I think to say that he took on a character again, he may have become more emboldened being surrounded them but I can't say that it was a character because it was facets of him that existed before he got with death row you think about the video the single actually from his first album Tupacalypse holla if you hear me right that video was gangster as heck he pitched part of the concept for the video there was no death row yet when that dropped so I just feel like it's easy to say when you really don't know Pac's story. And that seems crazy. Like, how can you not know Tupac's story? But really, most people, especially if you weren't around for it, you got to think how long ago that was. You sort of forget the first part of his career. People really think it's like unsuccessful, successful, or something of that nature. And they don't recognize that Pac was acting the way that he acted long before he got with Death Row. I mean, he had thug life tatted across his chest, right? That didn't come from death row. He was rolling with his thug life crew. Again, not from death row. So I feel like though he had those aspects to him, remember he's a Gemini, so that's two sides. I think that it is kind of, you know, giving more credence to how much others influenced his behavior and I think that that is not fair that's not fair to the people that he's around and it's also not fair to him as a person because if anything Pac showed you it's that that he was very focused determined hard-headed 
and on his own mission. So maybe gangster isn't the right word. Maybe revolutionary is, but he always had that spirit in him. I mean, he was talking about, you know, we hungry, let us out and making comparisons to the gangster rap style and the movement. I don't know. Everybody's entitled to their opinion, but I feel like, you know, ascribing to all that, that he just created that once he got to death row, you are totally ignoring the first half of his career. And those are my thoughts on that. When we come forward, we're going to get into Chris Tucker. He has a new tour coming up and about the boundaries that he set for himself within this cancel culture era. I mean, do you think, and we see comedians still, but I imagine it's got to be much harder to be a comedian in this era because cancel culture is real, kind of. At least complaint culture is. So we're going to get into that on the other side. You are locked into RSVP with Jill Monroe here on KBLA Talk 1580. Trending topics and the hottest happenings. You're listening to RSVP with Jill Monroe on KBLA Talk 1580. You are locked in to RSVP with Jill Monroe here on KBLA Talk 1580. So listen, before I get into this Chris Tucker story, really quickly, since we have been talking about hip-hop and, you know, sales and talent and drive and all of that, um, there's a guy that I follow on Twitter, X, X, um, named Dan Rucci, and he talks a lot about music industry topics and recently he was tweeting about hip-hop compared to pop and rock right and he said that hip-hop is definitely the most popular genre on streaming but pop and rock are still the most popular in concert sales right and I thought it was interesting so he dived a little more into it and really quickly he said that 11 percent of concert revenue in the United States is devoted to hip-hop and R&B. And that is compared to 27% of streaming income. By the way, these stats come from the analysis of Polestar box office revenue, okay? So pop and rock account for 27% of the concert revenue in the United States compared to 33% of streaming revenue, right? So... Some of the reasons behind this is age. Hip-hop is still a relatively young art form, right? And so with a younger art form, the fan base tends to be younger. Rap, as we mentioned earlier when I was talking about DMX and Pac, rap wasn't in arenas early on. You know, we're just getting caught up to that. It's just been, I think, in the 2000s where arena tours were starting to happen for rap artists, right? And where they were becoming festival headliners. That wasn't something that, you know, we had seen. But pop and rock stars have toured, you know, for decades globally, right? Of course, there's the bias. We talked about that with hip-hop, how hip-hop concerts and shows were hard to insure. Promoters, insurers would say no, they would turn it away because the thought was that there would be some type of violence at the show, right? And realistically, that's still a stigma that hangs over hip-hop to this day, but there's so much money in it, they can't really afford to say no. 
Um, they also said because of age and historical bias, the industry has spent less time developing strong touring acts for hip hop and R&B. Right. And so he believes that artists rely too heavily on the quick checks, you know, a nightclub performance, a paper bag walkthrough, um, you know, a festival thing where you don't have to put as much time and effort into crafting a show. And then price, you know, last year, live music had its best year ever. Well, not last year. That would be this year. Obviously, we're talking about Taylor and Beyonce leading the pack in that, right? But only a handful of rappers are actually able to sell out tours on that level, right? And it's not very many of them. You look, Drake's not there yet. The arenas that he's performing in are just that arenas. And again, that's not a diss. That's no shade, but it's 20,000 compared to 80,000. It's quite a big difference. So, you know, we'll see hip hop is continuing to evolve as an art form, as a genre. And we'll see, you know, kind of what happens next. It's interesting. I was having a conversation with the showrunner of the HBO, the Mac show, excuse me, rap eep. And um, we were talking about female rap and where it is now in comparison with the show. If you haven't checked out the show, it's really good. I suggest you do. I'll have an interview coming with her, the producer and one of the directors from the show. Um, if not later this week, maybe top of next week before we go into Thanksgiving. But that will be coming up. And it was an interesting conversation. I just think the way that the genre is changing, the way the music business is changing. And I do think at some point in the near future, there will be some type of music artist strike similar to what we've seen as far as actors and things like that. We know the music industry doesn't have a, a union per se, but... Um, there has to be an adjustment and then we'll figure out if these people are worth the adjustment to make. You know, some of them will make the cut. So anyway, let's get into this Chris Rock story. We all know what cancel culture is. We've seen people reportedly get canceled, not necessarily attempt to be canceled. And, you know, things just keep turning, right? But Chris Tucker did I say Chris Rock? If I did, I apologize. Um, I'm definitely talking about Chris Tucker, Friday, Chris Tucker, Michael Jackson impersonations, Chris Tucker. At any rate, so Chris, he says that though cancel culture is real, he knows just how far to go to ensure that He's not going to get caught up. He's currently um, headlining the Legend Tour. That's his first major tour in um, the U.S. since 2011. And he wants the audience just to laugh and have fun. But he says that his show is edgy. He said, that's my whole goal. I want everybody to come to my show, laugh, have fun, learn something, learn about what I'm thinking. And then what got me to this point of success in my life. It's who I am not to really offend people, and I try, and I'm always conscious about that type of stuff. Hopefully I don't. If I do, I tell them sorry, because it's definitely a little edgy, but not too edgy. And realistically, 
I don't know how you can say you go right up to the edge and don't go over because what's the edge anymore, right? We know it's really dependent upon the audience at the time and what is happening in the atmosphere at the time because there are some things, there are some jokes that people can drop and it just rolls through. And then sometimes it's the most random thing that can catch attention and it goes on and on and on. And most of us are looking around like that. That's what we're up in arms about. So I feel like it's so subjective. It's really hard to predict. I don't think at this point in time, I can't imagine Chris saying anything that's really, really, really outlandish. But I do wonder how comedians approach things. Like if you're on a certain level, do you feel you can get away with stuff? Is it easier for them because comedy clubs do not allow cell phones inside? So as they're working out their material or figuring it out, they have more runway to kind of hone in on, you know, where that line is and move right up close to it. I just think that it is interesting for a medium like comedy because for me, the whole thing of comedy is to talk about those things that we're not supposed to talk about and to make them relatable or funny. You know, I'm probably not the best person to judge on that because I have a pretty um, open sense of humor. I can find humor in most situations. But I also think that it's a beautiful thing because um, I take things seriously when they need be, but I do not put a lot of credence into, you know, trivial stuff, stuff that I feel like in the grand scheme of things isn't that big of a deal. Of course, that is subjective person to person, but in the cancel culture era, you're not going to really move ahead if you are too worried about the steps you take. But of course it is deadly and a lot of these people don't have filters. So it's a different thing. I don't I don't know. You see comedians like DC Young Fly, Country Wayne, they seem to be making it, but I don't know if as a whole the genre of comedy has really switched up. We saw the slings and arrows Dave Chappelle has taken. People are definitely on one side of the other with that. And you know, it's a hard thing for me because I feel like if they don't push you, if, you, you know, they're not talking about things openly, how people think, because no matter how much we try and play the PC game, and don't get me wrong, I think that tact is important. I think the loss of tact in some ways with it is part of, not part of, but one of the contributing factors of these communication mishaps, non-connections, however you want to look at it, is because people, one, aren't willing to be open and listen and think about this is something outside of your perspective and to just relax. Everything doesn't have to be a statement. Everything doesn't have to be a moment. At least that's my opinion. So we'll see what happens. I haven't heard a lot of buzz about this new comedy tour with Chris. So I don't know, maybe him bumping up right along the edge isn't working out so well and he might want to push it over. So Kwamel in the chat says, there is no such thing as female rap. Women rap in the rap genre. What do you mean by that, Kwamel? Because I'm going to have to disagree with that. I mean, are there women that just spit? But I definitely, yeah, but I definitely think there is a female rap, especially at this time. P-rap 
is just that, right? There's an empowerment aspect of it. You, it it's interesting, and, and I probably shouldn't be giving this away, but I'm going to share it because y'all may not care. Um, when I was interviewing, when Syrita, that's the name of the showrunner for Rap Stuff, she said that when she was looking around for people to write the songs, you know, the the TV show is loosely, loosely based off of the city girls and their climb or whatever. So it takes off from that. And it's very much planted in today's current rap industry as far as the perspective. So she said when she was looking around for rap artists, she wanted female artists to write Shauna and Mia. Those are the two characters, the leads names in the show. She specifically wanted female rappers. And, you know, what she discovered was that most of the songs, because obviously she went to songs that she really liked to kind of, you know, get the style and the vibe in that she wanted for the two artists. And she was shocked to discover that so many of these songs are written by men. So on one hand, it explains the bravado that's in them and sort of the aggressive stance, not saying that women don't have that naturally on their own, some of them. But I think that, you know, for all of the complaints, we oftentimes forget that, well, I guess maybe some women don't. Maybe that is some of their complaints that, you know, these raps are written by men. So I want to know what you mean, Kwamel, that there's just women in the rap genre. I, I think that it is a poor take, not calling you because, you know, I respect your rap opinion. But I think it's a poor take to kind of try and in an effort to even out the playing field, say that there is no female rap because I very much think there is. Andy? Tomato, tomato, potato, potato. It's all the same thing. Women it's in all, rap is the same thing the as same female thing. rap. It's just a label. Yeah. I can agree with that. I can agree with that wholeheartedly. But I, I do think, you know, we've never had a time in hip-hop where there have been this many female artists to choose from. High-level, mid, and, you know, those bubbling under. So I think that it is a good thing. Um, you know, I'm here for all of it. I like all aspects of it. But I will ask the question, right? Because we do ask for more substance in our hip-hop, right? Are y'all still listening to Cobra by Meg? I bet you aren't. I bet you aren't even though she was spitting hot fire. I bet you are. When we come forward, we're going to talk about Jendea and his admission that he dragged a lot of women along for a ride that he wasn't really prepared to, you know, give them, I don't know how do you say this, space for, maybe. I don't think that's a good way to describe it. But basically, he was playing, y'all, and now he feels bad about it. We're also going to get into Queen Naja saying she has single girl in envy. And, you know, more trending topics and headlines. All that and more on RSVP with Jill Monroe here on KBLA Talk 1580. Welcome back in. We are hour three, the after hour. There is nothing long wrong with freaking all night long. Me and you, we need a groove. Shout out to the time. Give it up. You know, that was on the cool album, the time's first album. I think it was 81. I actually think I still have my original vinyl from this album. Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, Morris Day. I don't know if Jerome was in the group yet. Monty. Was Jesse Johnson in the time? No, he was in the revolution. So, yeah, 
That was my jam. I even enjoyed the TLC remake. I actually enjoyed it quite a bit, actually. T-Boz's voice was perfect for that. You know, the rash. You know, I like a raspy voice, Taurus. Um, Yeah, that was a good cut. That was a good memory. I like it. Shout out to Urban Spinster in the chat from our previous topic about Edge. She said, Edge is relative. It really is. And that's the thing. I don't know how Chris Rock, Chris Rock, Chris Tucker can comfortably say, yeah, I'm not going to go. I mean, I guess I do know how that he knows what his lineup is going to be. And I think he's trying to imply that it's all about fun, nothing too weighty or, you know, you stay away from the danger areas. And at this point in time, we kind of know what those areas are. There's other things to be funny about. Quamel says, because I asked him, he said, there's no such thing as female rap, women rap, um, um, women rap in the rap genre, right? And I get it fair. His explanation was female rap is a thing sexist dudes call it to dismiss female rappers. Notice they're never compared with male rappers and who's the best at it. Yeah, but here's the thing. Sometimes, in my opinion, a thing is a thing. And yes, there are females that rap within the rap genre, but I do think that there is a particular subset, especially now, you know, hot girl summer, city girls up 100, all of that get money, you know, it's okay, you can say it started with choice, you can say it started with groups like HWA, we could automatically, we talked about Foxy and Kim last night, there's a, you know, Again, there is a point where the Get Money Girls started as far as their rhymes and that stuff. But I think it's complicated because, yeah, we want to be on an even playing field. But that doesn't mean that there aren't distinct differences in certain things and and approaches and stuff like that. You're never going to hear a male rapper talk about abuse from the perspective of being a victim. Right? You're just not. He may talk about, you know, you think about LL, love you better, you know, he smoked too many blunts, whatever the lyric is. But um, there are just certain topics that you're not going to hear from a male rapper. And so, yeah, they're just women that rap, but there is a segment of it that is strictly, I feel, surrounding them. Shout out to... um, Brother Alfonso, he could, Jesse Johnson was an original member of the time. Okay, good. I, I thought I wasn't tripping. I really like Jesse Johnson in his hot pink. I Want My Girl is still one of my favorite slow jams. Be Your Man. I think that I'm really into synthesizers and bass, like that Minneapolis sound. I didn't realize how much it really grabbed a hold of me. Because you, obviously Janet's first album, really, if you think not her first album, I'm not talking Young Love. <laughs> I'm When I say first album, I know there were two before that. I bought them, I was fans. I'm talking more Control. It definitely had a Minneapolis sound to it, if you think about it. And you think about things like the SSO, uh, SSO, the SOS band, Human League, things like that. Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis' sound of the 80s is a thing. I know this has nothing to do with female rap, but we're rocking back and forth. Roll roll with us. Um, And it touches me, and it's one of my favorites. Now, on to other topics. Jendea, 
you know, I felt this was a little manipulative. I felt like Zendaya had a little bit too much glee in his voice in discussing this conversation. There seemed to be a twinkle in his eye when he was talking about how he was ashamed of how he's treated women in the past. Seemed like a humble brag. But um, let's hear what he had to say. And you tell me what you, th- yeah, from yesterday. We don't have that? No. Zendaya? No? Okay. Okay. Well, what about Naja? Queen Naja. All right. So still on the relationship thing. Well, I'll circle back to you guys about Zendaya tomorrow. Um, Queen Naja, she talked about she is a young R&B artist and she has young children. And she talked about, you know, the grass being greener. We always hear a lot about the goal is to get married, how important it is for women to get married. But she talked about the other side of that and how, you know, people don't always discuss how being a mom means you don't have time for yourself. You don't have time to get into yourself and explore yourself in the ways that you did before you have a child. And yes, we know that's why some people should wait. But even if you wait, what? Oh, Jendaya. It's not Jendaya? I say Jendaya. Okay, well, we're going to see if we can get both in. But how does he say his name in here? Jadena, okay, I'm wrong then. I've been saying it wrong all this time. I think I probably interviewed him and said his name wrong to him. But he didn't correct me, so, you know, apologies. We're going to do Jendaya, and then we'll do Single Girl Envy. I robbed some women of their baby-making years, dragging them along. They built me up. Look at me now, and look at them. If you were creative, I folded you into my artwork. If you were in my artwork, I gave you a job. I gave you a job. I mastered your life. I gave you a house, food, everything you needed. I protected and provided for you. I did what men are supposed to do. You know, I remember different quotes I said, like just like really manipulative things to say, like, no one's going to love you the way I do. My God, I'm ashamed of it. And I, that's what makes me angry when I see my brothers do that. We can't do that to, to the women that have done so much for us to even exist. And I saw myself for the first time. All the things I'm saying now, woo, horror. Bit by bit, I stripped myself of my former self. And I swore that the next relationship that I would get in, I would work as hard at love as I worked in my career. So let me say this. I do like, you know, accountability. I like those realizations, you know, maybe the problem was me. You know, I was stringing these women along. But I do stand by the fact that he sounded a little giddy in that clip, gleeful even about the things that he used to do. And I mean, sometimes that happens, you know, we can talk about our past and be like, yo, I was a mother back in the day. But somehow the way that he was describing it to me, and and I'm not saying that, this is necessarily true, but it feels like even though he says he wouldn't go back into that wave, that that time frame, that mental feels like game that he absolutely would slip back into that mode because the game just seems to roll off his tongue and be so slippery and natural. I don't know. Sometimes it feels like and again, could be wrong. You know, maybe I'm a little jaded, but sometimes it feels like these I guess, 
confessions of, yeah, I used to be such a dog. Seems like, you know, I'm trying the other way to get my pick and to still have those kind of controlling tendencies because why are you so happy about being trash? <laughs> Andy. Are you going based off of what you heard or what you saw? What I saw. I watched the, oh, okay. I watched the clip. I mean, here's the thing. I mean, honestly, he's been saying these type of things for some time now. But there are just, and maybe again, there are just elements to me that feel like there is a tad bit of game in what he's saying. Like he may believe it, but he might be laying it on a little thicker because, you know, that's what the girlies like now. So he's pandering is what you're saying. A little bit. I think he's pandering a little bit. You know, because the girlies love an introspective, open, accountable man, especially at this time. I'm being vulnerable. Yeah. I guess I can give you a little bit of credence to that. I guess I wanted to chime in a little bit on where you felt like he came off a little happy. I can kind of see where you may get that. And I think that smile or whatever, or that quote unquote glee that you got from him was just, I guess, a reflection of who he used to be. And I guess, you know, you know, he was kind of laughing at himself at who he used to be. You know what I mean? I, I mean, no, I get that. So, you know, yeah. it's like, man, I used to be a, a MFer back in the day. I used to have them rolling. I mean, I get it. And again, I do understand that because, you know, we all laugh at our past selves, you know, and some of the things that we used to do, some of the way that we used to handle situations. So I do believe that it was some of that. And I do believe that he's done some introspection because, again, these are conversations he's had for a while. But somewhere, Deep in the tiny crevice of my heart, I'm like, game. That's game. I don't know. Those are just my feelings. I just feel like that's what it is. You know what? I'm going to keep it real. I, I, I think um, as a man, it's challenging sometimes to even maybe uh, profess wanting to be more positive or more respectful uh, without without being ridiculed right like i can't go off and say grand rising queen without you assuming that i'm you know I'm, I'm i'm trying to game you up right but like i'm literally over here trying to be a more positive individual and i think you know for men trying to you know uh, you know change their change their ways it still gets ridiculed. It's disturbing. I mean, and I can hardly agree with that because, you know, I mean, people don't think that men are supposed to be sensitive. You know, sensitive thugs, y'all all need hugs. Um, and I understand that. And I understand the hesitancy that it can cause some men to maybe want to be vulnerable. But I also feel like there are certain markers or phrases or keywords that just feel like a script. Or feel like, you know, directly from the game manual, you know. And those are the type of things that when you start hearing those keywords, when those things start pinging, you're like, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. So shout out to him if he has say it for me, Andy, because I jacked it all up and I need to remember this. Jindia? How did you get Jindaya from Jadena? Jadena. Um... Because I always thought it was Jindaya. I thought that there was like an accent, you know, or something, some space. I got to go look that up. I feel like I'm kind of right. I don't know. 
I'm all the way wrong. Look, just being stubborn. I'm right. <laughs> okay, so listen, when we come forward, we're going to get into this Queen Naja clip really quickly because I think it's something that people don't think about sometimes. You know, the grass always looks greener on the other side. So more on that when we come forward. You're locked into RSVP with Jill Monroe here on KBLA Talk 1580. RSVP with Jill Monroe is your go-to show for staying in the know. More engaging conversation when we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580. You are locked into RSVP with Jill Monroe here on KBLA Talk 1580. Really quickly, I mentioned Shonda Rhimes that she is in a bidding battle for the rights to a new biopic being made off of a memoir. It's Britney Spears. She is in a bidding competition. There's others, but... Brad Pitt, Margot Robbie, Shonda Rhimes. Those are all, not all, but a few of the people that are vying for the opportunity to produce Britney's life story from book to screen. So we'll have to see how that turns out. Now listen, Queen Naja, like I said, she's 28 years old, R&B singer, started off as a YouTube vlogger. Recently in an interview, she was discussing how, you know, a lot of people talk about they want to be wiped up in relationships and things like that. But that sometimes, you know, as a mother, a young mother, she has, I believe, two children. Um, she gets single girl envy and she misses or wants to re-experience life just being for herself sometimes, you know, not having those responsibilities. Let's check out what she said. I love the girls, though. I love the girls that's, like, all about them, putting themselves first, be, like, Sometimes I be envying selfish. the girls. I, the sometimes, girls. Sometimes I envy the girls, and I hate to say this, but I'm just be real. It's about being real, right? Right. Sometimes I envy the girls that get to wake up with no kids and mm. like literally get to design their apartment the way that they want and like literally go and just do whatever just they do want. Just do everything for them. I literally was telling my other friend that the other day, I was like, like the girls that don't got kids and they don't have like all the other things like we have, like their lives look so like It looks so together. organized. They house be clean all the time. And it's just like. They clothes be perfect. It's and so crazy. I don't like, let's not say this because I love my kids. I got I two kids, kids, by the way. She got one kid, if y'all don't know. Mm, She's a new mommy. Yeah, I, I just had it. Well, like, it's been a year. I ain't gonna yeah, say that. Yeah, she new. just had a baby a year ago. And, um, shoot, I started with my, I had CJ at 19. Yeah. I got married at 19. Right. And then, like, from that relationship that failed, I went right into another relationship. So you and then like, had another baby, like, and so I've never gotten a chance know yourself, like, to know you or yes. to do you. It's really hard. Like, Be I'm you. still trying to learn myself, like, outside of just music, and like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to learn myself while still trying to become a wife too, a wife and the best mom, a better mom. I get you. It's hard to do all of that. Like, I feel like sometimes I gotta choose. Well, you do, and that's, and I feel like a lot of women deal with that. Like we, and then we go through depression sometimes because we do lose ourselves in the process because we're trying to be all these things at one time and not just be ourselves. But it's like you can't really just be just yourself. You have to be. A mom. You have to wear. You, you gotta do the yeah, title. You gotta do all of it. Yeah. A wife is a totally different thing category yeah. whatever label that's or, a whole nother conversation for a whole nother and then a episode. mom is a totally different job and then yeah. you yourself that's how totally do you how do you I, I know you be asking me questions but how do you so listen 
She's right. You know, I think that while we had the conversation a couple of weeks ago about Ebony K. Williams and women should find their husband in their 20s, that is when they're more equally yoked with each other, haven't really fully gone all the way out into their career yet. And, you know, people are more likely to be on the same level and can come together. But the downside of that is you don't get the opportunity to learn yourself in your 20s and figure out who you are outside of this coupledom or this child. So, you know, choice is choice. Everything is not right for everyone, but it is something to consider and something to think about that the grass always looks greener on the other side. And for every pro that comes along with a situation, there are cons too. So, you know, give your coupled up sisters and brethren a break you know and understand they got some things going on just like you do too and everybody's just trying to figure it all out listen tomorrow we have another packed show it's also wednesday so that means our keep it real friend will be in the building you know more trending topics more headlines more 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 vips thank you for locking in tonight to rs repeat with jill monroe when we come forward you will hear the best of kbla i hope you have an amazing night and i'll be back with you tomorrow